This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Welcome, everyone, to week one of the NFL regular season 2023. I don't know if I can go on, man. It's been a long offseason. <laughs> you're, you're spent already? I'm dying. You're not going to make it? I'm about to die just before Steve the finish. He needs a bye week before the bye week. Uh, I just need a, I need a nap is what I need. We no. Don't, we don't have a bye week for a while, dude. It's like we don't need 13 right. or something. We're okay. We're all right. But... Like day after tomorrow, games. Let's go. Yeah, we're going. So we do this. We're, um, I got some. I got Saber season tickets, and I a couple of guys share them with me. They want you know what? A couple three guys want three games or yeah, something. Yeah, right? yeah. So we get together and draft our games, and to, you got to do it on Thursday night for you know Thursday night football. We'll be watching the game and drafting hockey games. I mean, it's going to be a nice. I love that man. Hmm. Let's go! It's that time of the year. Yeah, man, that's uh, awesome. Saves are going to be kicking back in with a completely different vibe about them, and this and the Bills kicking off Monday Night Football. Indeed. And I'll say this: the Bills game on Monday night is going to be the best game on of the, the entire weekend, schedule of the entire weekend. This weekend, you like it even better than the kickoff game with the Chiefs and the everybody's Listen, favorite just, sexy just, new team, let the let me Lions. Just clue, you, clue you in: the Lions are going to get their heads handed to them. <laughs> The Lions are going to go in there. Welcome to real and football. And it's going to be it's going to be the biggest, fattest belly flop of the entire schedule. That is a wow. huge mistake. Now that is a that, statement. Both the first game of the season. You're expecting this weekend, like a twenty point beatdown. The Lions are going to be embarrassed. Okay. They have no chance. They're in a crap. <laughs> they're in a cruddy division. Yeah. They're the worst team in a cruddy division. They got a little bit of juice from a from a head coach who's got some energy. They have a good OC too, Ben Johnson. Yeah. Okay. All of that. Jared Goff is still their quarterback. Mm-hmm. They go. Yeah. They're going to run the edge. They're going to no. <laughs> no. Their defense is going to come out all refurbished from being poor. Last. Pat Mahomes is going to dump a five gallon gas a can get a five gallon can of gas on their head and light them. Okay. And throw them, and then throw them in a dumpster. Okay, they that game is going to be the worst game of the weekend, and the Bills Jets going to be the best. We will get into that in just a second. Labor Day weekend. Did you did you get up to the Tie Cats game yesterday? I did. I was in Canada. I was in Hamilton yesterday. The Hammer. I was in the Hammer yesterday watching the Tie Cats get their heads handed oh. to them by the Argos. Chad Kelly lit them up. Yeah, mm. they're playing good up there. It's it's so I, I got to. You know, my son, Luke, yeah, played, yeah, yeah, played yeah. up there for seven years. Now he's their radio analyst for the Hamilton Tigers. Right. So we go up and we went to the game. We hadn't been there since he'd finished playing, and 19 was his last year. This is so fun. <laughs> like, it's a sellout crowd, like 25,350 or something yeah. like that. I mean, just it's just so fun. High-scoring game or just lopsided? It was at one point late. It was like 31-13, and then yeah. it got 31-21, and I think that's how it ended, 31-21. Um, awesome. But it was – only it was like 186 degrees mm. in that joint. We were actually in the shade. It was, thank goodness. Yeah, we were. Because I'm telling you, it was, it was hot. Yeah, we were melting out on a soccer field in Massachusetts over the weekend. <laughs> that how did that go? Uh, it went pretty well, all things considered. Um, yeah, my daughter's team won one, lost one. It was what it was. Um, craziest thing about the weekend was. And I had kind of, out of my own 
sick preparation and getting ready for games, I had printed out the roster for my daughter's team because I this is you know this is the first time I'm seeing them play in person I don't know all the players so I well you so you watch them online or something yeah streaming that kind of stuff because it's too far away and a lot of times they're playing on the weekends and during football season that doesn't work so um so I look at the roster and I see my daughter's name and her number is my old jersey number my daughter picked my old jersey oh, number to wear. Like, she wanted to oh, do it as a surprise, nice. and I ruined it because I printed out the roster before we left the house. Like, did you call her and tell her before? So, oh, you're wearing my number, huh? I think my wife texted her and clued her in. She's it, like, Dad, it. Leave it to Dad to be overprepared for a soccer game. <laughs> right. is, so is that your number now or is it her number now? Uh, that's a good question. She's still playing, so I guess it's hers now. Yeah. I'm not, I right. mean, I'm semi-retired. Um, yeah, they didn't. Yeah. yeah, listen, bro, they don't. It was cool though. They don't retire people like you and me's jerseys. They just wash them. That's right. So, and hand them to somebody else. And hand them to somebody. Yeah, else. but it, that was With really all the sweet of her to do that. Of nothing. Yeah, it was sweet of her to do that. So that's that, nice. That was nice. That means something to you. It was what cool. number was it? Eighteen. Oh, okay. Yeah, eighteen. All right. Her number was always six. So to see that was surprising and pretty cool. So I very nice. That was very nice of her to do that. That's kind of nice. Appreciated it. And they won one, lost one over the weekend. Yeah, they won on. Sunday, five nothing. Lost a tough one the day before, one nothing. So, but it was fun. It was good to kind of do a little road trip with uh, my wife, and the trip home wasn't quite as <laughs> five hour drive to oh, Springfield, man. Mass. Man, that yeah, was all. That not, was a haul. We we had uh, all uh, we had the whole kit. Oh yeah, you had Gramp Camp. Yeah, Gramp Camp was at the house this weekend, and. Um, you know how you're sitting around getting ready for bed, and you're kind of trying to calm them down, and they just won't have it. You know they're kind of they're just like yeah, bouncing they, off. The they got to run themselves right. Right. Now. So, uh, you know we do this thing called high low, right? Okay. Where you say the best part of the day, yeah, and then your worst part of the day. So, but we had a whole gamut of scheduled stuff. We were out and about doing stuff. So yeah, there's a whole, to, there's a long list. Trying to wear them out. So, so they finally got to be you know my turn. They said, "What you know what was your high point?" I said, "Nap time." <laughs> I said, I wait for you or yeah, for them? No, me taking a nap. <laughs> we slipped in a two hour nap there. The, when the kids went down for a nap, man, grandpa was out. Yeah. And they said, whoa, yeah. They laughed. They thought that was funny. I said, they said, what was your worst moment of the day? I said, getting out of bed because I didn't sleep. We didn't sleep well. We sleep outside, right? Yeah, you do the tent thing. And, and well, we weren't in the tent. We have a, we have a, veran- a covered veranda. Oh, so yeah, yeah, all, yeah. Okay. So the kids were all, they could sleep on. They could sleep on gravel. They don't care. They can sleep on me. I was struck. I mean, it was like, yeah. oh, I could not sleep. And so, you know how it is. The last twenty minutes of the night, you finally get down to sleep, yeah, and then, then the time, sun's then the up. kids are they're springing up, bouncing off the walls at like six thirty in the morning. I'm like, oh god, <laughs> just take me now. <laughs> and so that, that was the low part of my day is having to get out of bed on a bad night's sleep. And they, they they thought that was hilarious. They asked me actually asked me to repeat it. Because they thought it was so funny. Oh, wow. I go, yeah, best, the high part of my day was taking a nap, and the low part was getting out of bed in the morning. You do find that uh, your best audience, when you know, you're trying to deliver comedic material, are usually people under the age of seven. Their, <laughs> yeah. their sense of humor is so easy to tap into. <laughs> my best hey. audience for my jokes is me. I'm the only one. <laughs> I get them. Nobody. Well, no, you said the kids were laughing miss. at you, but I'm a can't a miss. I, I get my jokes all the time. I crack myself up. Yeah. I'm hilarious, but I don't know if anybody else thinks so. Yeah, that's my best audience when I'm talking to myself. 
<laughs> How often does that happen? Yeah. More than I more than I'd like to know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. Should leave that out there. Um, some Bills news to pass along to you. According to our good friend Field Yates from ESPN, the Bills have restructured the contracts of Ryan Bates and Taron Johnson, creating about four and a half million in cap space for the Bills in 2023. People speculating, ah, what does this mean? Oh, this means something coming. So Taron Johnson basically converts almost $4 million of his salary into a signing bonus this year. They throw a void year on there. He clears 2.62. Ryan Bates converts 2.82 of his salary into a bonus, and that basically clears 1.88. So together they're 4.5. But if you remember, Steve, back in June when Brandon Bean spoke at the close of June minicamp, he said the following when he was asked about the Bills' cap situation, and I quote, I think we're just around over $4 million, but that's the top 51 players, without going through a 20-minute lecture here, top 51 players versus doing some projections. I'm going to guess with adding Leonard Floyd, we're going to be over 3 to $5 million, somewhere in there. I haven't done that in the last day, but somewhere in there. So projecting how we would cut and no injuries – we're still going to have to do some moves at some point to create more cap room. So even though today on the top 51 we have, I believe, a little over $4 million. We really don't, and just knowing who we think has the best chance to make our roster, how guarantees are shaped and all of that, I would say it's going to be somewhere between 3 and $5 million. So he told us back in June this right. was coming. Here it is. So cost of doing business, quite literally. They cleared yeah. the cap space they needed, so they're under. So they can yeah, they can absorb injuries and guys up and down off the roster and all of that. So well, yeah, they, I mean you gotta have you gotta have some some slack. Yeah, they may need even a little more than that. I mean, because he estimated they were three to five over. They've saved four and a half. I mean, at best they're one and a half under. Yeah, or 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 right at it. Or right near it. Yeah, and that's, that's not enough to get you through a no, season. So they, they, can't get through they might have to do like a little this. bit more. They might have to do a little more. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But that's, I, that's I, the – They got it. I mean, they'll get the numbers right. And, and believe me, this is, probably doesn't catch them off guard in any way, shape, or form either. They could see it coming. So Oh, yeah, he's telling us about it in June. They got to talk to – they'll – you know, they're just – they probably got a short list of five – maybe as few as three and as many as seven players they can go to and say, Hey, what about it? Can he, can we give yeah. you, can we give you your salary? Can we put now? more money in your pocket now to help us out. And the, and it's not, and the, yes. And for those of you who are going to ask, yes, the player could say no, but they're not going to, because would you rather have your yearly paycheck in the right now in your pocket? Yeah. Or do you want to get it? Go like, invest it. Yeah. Yeah. This, even if you stick in the bank, you're going to earn money on it. So, um, uh, so that's what they'll do, and the players will say, yes, absolutely, give me all my money now. Mm-hmm. So as much as you can anyway. Uh, let's quickly go around the NFL, which is brought to you by Kaleida Health, the official health care system of the Buffalo Bills. And there is more, Steve, Bills Jets fodder to chew on, primarily from the Jets hype machine, Starting cornerback D.J. Reed, the latest, to throw some uh, salvos out about what the Jets are expecting to be this season. D.J. Reed said he thinks the defense is going to take yet another step and then some. 
He says, I'm very confident, this is according to ESPN's Rich Samini, who's been covering the Jets for a long time, I think we have the potential to be the best defense in the NFL. Honestly, I think we can be historical. Not just the best defense in the league, but I think we can be a historical defense like the 85-86 Bears and the Legion of Boom in Seattle. I think we can be that dominant if we just put all the things together. Back page of the New York Daily News today, Steve, had a headline that said, Da Bears, with you know Jets fans on the front, right. talking about what D.J. Reed said about being a historical is that, defense. Is that peak hype train? I don't know if we're quite there yet, but we're that's, close. I, that's where you're at. you got the players themselves saying, we're going to be one of the most legendary defenses of all time. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. That's that is quintessential hype train right there. You got the players, and that now they're now they're they're puking it out of their own mouths. Right. So let's so help me with this. You know, being a former player yourself, because as a coach, you do want your players to genu- genuinely believe they are that good. Confidence, you know, is important um, in a league with slim margins. You have to believe you're capable of doing it. When does it when does it cross the line though and become counterproductive? Part of it, I, I get it. Yes, part of it is confidence is important and belief in what you're doing is important. Yeah. No question. Particularly, I've I've said it a ton in, in football. That emotion, that content of belief and being in it and being willing to sacrifice physical comfort on behalf of the team for a bigger, greater cause is part of what makes football so such a great sport. Mm-hmm. These guys know they're it's they're at physical risk. So you need guys to believe. This is not that. This is And what distinguishes it? I, I think whenever you start talking about what, what where we're head where we're gonna be, where we're gonna head, okay. where you're gonna say and I get it too, he couched it by saying we could be that we we've got it in that we could said, be, honestly I think we can be historical. we can be and uh, historical yeah, yeah and that is but to, to spew out the 85 Bears and the Legion of Boom, well, I told you that that was the greatest defensive performance in a, in a Super Bowl of any team in, in the history of the league and, and any Super Bowl. You're talking about Seattle against Denver. Seattle against Denver. Yeah. And I, because you say the 85 Bears might have been a better defense, but they played well, that against – that final was 46-10 to 10 in yes, Super Bowl 20. But here's the thing. But that Patriots offense the Patriots wasn't offense, anything it was compared of the road. to the Denver offense. The Patriot offense that year was middle of the road. So they really get tested. And you can say, well, that, you, that's not their fault. It's not their fault, but they don't get credit for something that didn't happen. The Legion of Boom against the Denver Broncos were facing the, the juggernaut of all juggernaut yeah. offenses of all time. It was like off the charts yeah, they offense. They were lighting it up. They were lighting everybody up. They were crushing people, and they got stomped. Yeah, it was 43 to 8, I think, was the stomped. final. Stomped. The Legion of Boom absolutely stomped the best offense. At that time, it was the best offense in the history of the league, and they stomped them. So that was probably the best defensive performance, in my opinion. It's the best defensive performance in a Super Bowl of all time yeah. by that Legion of Boom. So you're starting here as a Jet. C.J. <laughs> CJ Reed DJ or D.J. Reed. Reed is saying, yeah, we're going to yeah, – that's us. <laughs> yeah. Got a lot of backing up to do. That is – bro – that's you're, 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 you know, you're asking for the back page. Well, they got it. Yeah. And now you're asking for it in a future week where they stink to come back and haunt them again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 
I'll say this, man. The Jets are all in on this. They are all in on it because you know oh, how. There's no turning back now. There's no turning back. <laughs> when it, if it goes south, if it goes south, it's going to ignite. Oh. It's going to ignite and yeah, it ain't going to stop. Towering inferno. It's going to be a billowing tower of black smoke coming out of that place. Yeah. I mean, they are all in. And you get players talking about how his, you know, that this team is going to. And listen, you can't say we're going to be, we got a chance to be the 85 Bears, and you can't be like the number one defense in the league unquestionably. Forget about the 85 Bears. You didn't do this year. You got to do that this year. You got to yeah. be the number one defense in a lot of major categories this year. To even get, you know, to even say, oh, okay, all right, see what he was saying, that kind of thing. And even then it would be like, yeah, okay, right, whatever. No. I mean, you got to light everybody up. I mean, you got to get like 75 sacks. You got to get yeah, like. Yeah, do what the Eagles did. Yeah, you got to get 30 turnovers. You know? I mean, you really got to go. Ah man, come on! That I think it's a big, I think it's a mistake. And I listen. I think the Jets are really good. I think yeah. that's a really tough game for Buffalo. The Jets are going to be there at the end of it. I don't think there's any question. They they are a playoff type of team. I like their head coach. Their quarterback is going to bring them some stability, and their their roster is really good. So they got all. But man, oh man. Yeah. We're the '85 Bears. We're the we're the Legion of Boom. We're we're going to be in that conversation. Before you even play a game? <laughs> I know. Just, you haven't played a game yet. I'm sorry. I just think that's a mistake on yeah. a lot of levels. Right. Well, let them keep stepping in it, I guess. I don't, I don't now know. Now, they else. may. I, they, hey, listen, Maybe I, they will be that They good. are going to be good. There's no question they're going to be good. But last year they were fourth, total, the number four total defense in the league. They were 16th against the run. Third against the pass. They were 10th in the league in sacks per play. They were 11th in third down defense. And they were fourth in points allowed. I mean, the only categories where their defense was even better than Buffalo's was in total defense. Jets were fourth. Bills were sixth. Passing defense, they were better. Jets were third. Bills they were, were fifteenth. They were number two. Depleted in, they, secondary. They were number two in sacks. Eleven percent of their eleven and a half percent of their plays, they got a sack. Yeah. I mean, they were you know they, they were, were in a better third down defense than Buffalo. They and, weren't, and they weren't better in points allowed than Buffalo. Now, part of that's because their offense couldn't stay on the field. They were they were fourth in yards per play, eighth in yards per game, and that's as high as they got in any ranking, except for the sacks they got. You know, I mean, they got some guys, no question. And they're going to have fewer snaps to play this year because their offense will hang on. They'll be able to get some first downs on the other side. So they won't have, out of the 150 snaps in a game, they won't be on the field for 100 of them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's going to be an improvement. We'll see. I mean, even but here's the thing. Even if they're the number one defense in the league, that doesn't make you the 85 Bears. No, it does not. It or does the not. Legion of Doom. And people, for, and people forget the the number one sack defense in the league was the 84 Bears. Not the 85 Bears. The 84 Bears hold the Listen, record for was, most sacks in a season. I was going to Northwestern University at the time, which is the north <laughs> suburb of Chicago. Yeah. And those those jokers were off their rocker. They were unbelievable, man. 
They that was the dawn of the forty six. Oh my gosh! And nobody had, and and now you can hardly run it the forty six because yeah. people get you know you, you there's know answers for it. there's answers for. It. And I you know, I talked to Jeff Fisher was a player for that eighty five uh, Bears team before he became a head coach of Houston and and St Louis, um, and he was a kind of a graduate assistant player for that eighty five Bears. And Buddy Ryan was the head coach was the uh, defensive coordinator. Mike Ditka, the head coach, of course, and he said. Buddy just didn't care. I mean, they there were times when they would call the defense. He didn't. Care. He just had run it like that, and it was unsound. Where they did they have, like they didn't care if this guy did this or you know if this guy was uncovered or this. Just go, and if you know if the offense does a certain thing, they're it's toast. A, it's toast. Yeah. You know the defense. Is to- he didn't care because he <laughs> he just went calling it with reckless yeah. abandon. So. That's you know that's something that Jeff Jeff Fisher had told me um, you know a couple of decades ago. He says, "Hey, buddy, just did not care. He would just yeah. go." And the players loved it. I mean that and that's you know yeah. it all. It's, there's a million moving parts, and that belief and those guys, those Richard Dent and Mike Singletary, and those you know Otis Wilson, Otis, Wilbur Marshall, <laughs> dude, Steve McMichael, dude. They had some I mean, guys. Uh, Dan Hampton. Dan Hampton. That was the guy I was thinking of. They were. You know, with Leslie and Leslie Frazier, and he had the, the the guys in the back end. Mike Richardson. They were Gary Fenton. They were an unbelievable Dave group Dewarson. of guys. An unbelievable group of guys, yeah. and uh, they, you know, they. So you you're talking, and you're, you're we're sitting here. Listen, we're sitting here almost forty years after the fact, and we can name those players. Yeah, that's. I ain't gonna be doing that with the Jets. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Not in 40 years, anyway. In, uh, I'll, I'll be 100. Yeah. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be 100. Back in my day. <laughs> I, won't um, be able to name, I won't be able to name the 2023 Jet Defenders. That's right. I'm pretty sure. But uh, they're going to be good. I know that. Yeah. In other NFL news, defensive end Nick Bosa, reigning defensive player of the year, still absent from the 49ers, and defensive tackle Chris Jones, who finished third in defensive player of the year voting, as a member of the Chiefs, not with the Chiefs. Has not reported yet. It's just becoming one of the bigger stories in the league heading into real games. Chris Jones has already forfeited over $2 million in fines by being absent and under contract. Bosa wants a new deal as well. It's going to be very interesting. I mean, as it looks right now, Steve, Jones is not playing Thursday. Is he going to sign tomorrow and they're going to roll him out on the field? No. He's not playing Thursday. It's Tuesday. Neither is Bosa. I mean, that Bosa's not going to – I don't think Bosa will get ready to play either unless he comes in maybe tomorrow and they get evaluated. Maybe he's up to yeah. speed. But Bosa's one of those guys. He comes in, all of a sudden he snaps a hammy in Thursday's practice. Now he's out for four weeks too anyway, right? So, yeah, Chris Jones, I think this thing is – he said it, and you got to believe him. He'll come back week eight. He'll get accrued for a, a, his contract. We'll click, click in. He'll pay the fine. He'll play for free for whatever nine games left of, of the season. Money. He'll play. It won't be for free, but he'll get half his salary. Do you remember a couple of years ago, Melvin Gordon, when he yes. was with the Broncos, he held out for the first four games, and then he came back, and he was asked about it by the media, and he admitted it was a mistake. So I regret sitting out the four games because you're never getting that money back. That's all gone. It's all gone. It's never it's getting same. it back, especially as a running back. 
Same thing that happened with the Pittsburgh running back, uh, yeah, Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell. Bell. He, you can go back and, and logically work it out where he left $15 million on the table as to how it all worked out. Mm-hmm. But these guys take it personal, and it, they prove it with acts like this that it's not about the money. It's about being respected and, get, and getting what you should deserve and being willing to sacrifice, uh, you know, and, 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 and p- use whatever leverage you have, even if it's, even if it's self-harm. Well, it's, it's hurting them in the wallet. you got to do it because they take it personally. So, you know, in, in that regard, you kind of have to tip your hat to them and say, okay, bro, it's, it's an expensive statement to make, but you go ahead and make it. But that's what they're doing. I'm, I'm really curious to see how long this stretches. If, you know, because you know the Chiefs, they have a number, and they're not moving off it. And evidence of that was what they did with Tyreek Hill last year. So if they don't think he's worth $30 million a year, I mean, anything Tyreek was worth thirty million a year. I can't imagine they think Chris, Chris Jones, Jones is, is either. Yeah, and so and this just I don't in. think they're moving. This just in. They let Tyreek walk, and they won a Super Bowl. You think Chris Jones tips the scale the other direction? I don't know. They're, I mean, no. you got to you got to wonder when when is when is when are you stripping the roster of too much talent? You know what I mean? Like I get it. I mean, Pat Mahomes can cover up a lot of a lot of mistakes and a lot of shortcomings. He's he's the best defensive player. He's the greater. He's the greater racer. You know, nobody can make a mistake so big that he can't overcome it. And maybe they just believe they can do it. Plus, I, you know, they're not totally bereft of offensive weapons now. They they lost Tyreek, but they got guys out there that can really play. They got some young guys that showed some stuff last year. They won a world championship. They don't have anybody at defensive tackle like him, though. Right. They just don't. Well, a lot of teams don't, but we've said, and I see, and here's where Chris Jones is coming from and Nick Bosa. This is the year, and the marketplace is ripe for a defensive tackles to get paid. There's a handful of them that got record-breaking deals. And it's time, you know, you got to hit it while it's right. You can't settle if you if your career's only so long. And I think that's why he's willing to sacrifice two million dollars for the sake of making ten million more per year. That's so I, I think, think he's making twenty per now. He wants thirty. So I think until he gets to that ten million dollar figure, in terms of losses, he's holding out. Yeah. Until he gets what he wants, it'll he's, be. I'm really interested to see where this goes and how much of a distraction. It creates for that Chiefs team as well. This is a well liked guy in the locker room. Yeah. You know? I, here's the thing, too. He's holding out, not holding in. So he's not there. So he's not he a distraction. Reported. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a distraction in that way. Um, but you it, know the media's going to keep asking. What, ha- what happens if they beat, they beat the Detroit Lions on Thursday night 45 44? I get it. You don't think any well, – every right. media member is going to be in that locker room after the game. Hey, Chris, do you think it would have been easier if you had Chris Jones with yeah. you? That kind of thing. What if they if, lose 45-44? You know, is it fair to have Mahomes put the cape on to score 45 points to win you a game That's and happen. not have one of your best – like those kinds of yeah, questions yeah, are going to yeah, be yeah. asked and every it, week. Then it will. And it, But let's face it, we don't know what's going to happen. And that's a pretty specific scenario that's well, got yeah. to happen before that this all comes to wash. So I think the Chiefs are willing to say, listen, unless it like is like painfully obvious that we need the guy, we're going to roll. Yeah. And I, you know, if okay, so the if we beat the Lions or get beat by the Lions like 55-51 
or 51-55, whatever, either lose or win, it's going to be a problem for us. But we can't let those jokers score, you know, 40 points on us and think act like Chris Jones doesn't make a difference. Yeah. I'm fascinated to see where that it, all goes. That's, that's a fascinating aspect of this whole thing because that the Chiefs have always been, you know, we're going to outscore you kind yeah. of. And without a guy who is like just gives them some semblance of respect on the defensive side of the ball, not there. I'm, I'm curious to see the difference it makes. It's hard really for Pat am. Mahomes to help that side of the ball when he's not yeah. playing on that side of the ball. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it does, he gets some benefit from it because Mahomes – they might start to have to, you know, ball control this a little bit more instead of big play it. You know what I mean? Yeah, the old Indianapolis Colts style. Yeah. Peyton Manning. Hold on to the ball, run the play clock down to one on every right. snap, that kind of thing. Right, yeah, and then, it. you know, score, be efficient, score on at least two-thirds of your possessions. Mm. Maybe more than that. Maybe more than that. It might. You might be up to like <laughs> seventy-five. You might be. Percent. Yeah. You might be able to count like like you either have to have one possession that you don't score on or two, right. and that's all you're allowed for the entire game. So that is around the NFL, presented by Collider Health, the official healthcare system of the Buffalo Bills. Topic of discussion for you to get on the phones with us at eight zero three zero five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. What type of game are you expecting Monday night against the Jets? We currently have a poll up at One Bills Live. On Twitter, your choices are A, a convincing Bills victory, B, a tight game throughout, or C, a Jets hype wave that proves too much to handle. Currently, a tight game throughout is leading the voting by almost a two-thirds margin. We take a break here, but open lines for you at 803-0550-1888-550-2550. Give us a call because it's your phone calls next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. If these walls could talk, stories from the Buffalo Bills sideline locker room and press box written by longtime play-by-play man John Murphy. Get your copy now, and to launch the new book, there will be a signing event at the Bills store between 3 and 5 p.m. on Saturday, September 16th, the day before the home opener. In addition to John, the team's longtime radio play-by-play man, former Bills Pro Bowl center and current color analyst Eric Wood, will be there along with Scott Petoniak, the co-author. Books purchased that day will be autographed by all three. Check that out at the Bill Store, September 16th. Uh, Steve, as we mentioned, the current poll right now for our listeners and viewers is what type of game are you expecting Monday night against the Jets? And almost two-thirds of you have said you are expecting a tight game throughout. Speaking of picking a tight game throughout, I took a listing, Steve, of let me see one two three four five six seven eight nine ten NFL network analysts who picked the Bills Jets game for Monday night, and here are their picks. You ready for the rundown? <clears throat> I, I yes. Let's Daniel go. Jeremiah picks Jets twenty eight twenty seven. Colleen Wolf picks the Bills thirty two thirty. Adam Rank picks the Jets. 29-28. M. Grant, not sure who that is, picks the Bills 26-21. Mark Sessler picks the Jets 27-14. We should note he is a Jets fan. Mm-hmm. Maurice Jones-Drew, Jets 26-23. 
G. Gordon, Bills, 24-20. Nick Shook, Bills, 27-23. Eric Edholm, Bills, 24-21. And Kevin Patra, Jets, 22-20. What is your, what's your takeaway from those picks that it's I gave? five and five. Yeah, it's it's even Steven. It's going to be a great game, I'm telling you, man. It's even Steven. Vegas <laughs> agrees. The line last week was Bills get giving two and a half. It's down to one and a half. Yeah. Which will show you where the money's going. Right. But of all of those picks, Steve, that I just rattled off to you, 10 where's and all. Where's the money going? Where's the, if it's going to drop in here, where's the, where does that mean the money's going? It's going on the Bills, right? Yeah, it's going on the Bills. Yeah, the Bills. Yeah. Between, listen, Only, we know this. Only one of those 10 picks, Steve, that I gave you picked a final with a point spread of more than five points. Yeah, Only and that was one. The guy, the and that Jets was the fan. Jets fan. Yeah, 27 14. Yeah. Mark Sessler. Here's... Everyone else's prediction, Steve, five points or less on the score differential, including two one point games and two two point games. Three of those four, however, picked the Jets in a close one. You ain't running off and leaving the Bills. That's just that's that's it. The Bills don't Let's lose. Look at last year. The Bills don't lose by double digits. They just don't. Not under Sean McDermott. Nope. Um, you can go back and pick a handful here and there, particularly early in his career. But they don't. Each of the last two seasons. They they just you just don't run off and leave this team. I think the Colts game is one of the only when Jonathan Taylor ran all over him. Right. Two years ago. That's that right. Like a lopsided game. There might be another game in there where they lost by double That's digits, right. but there's like one or two a year. Yeah, there's well, not even two a well, year. Yeah, not even two. Um, so they're uh, it's going to be close if even if the Bills are not ahead, because you just they're just too hard to extend a lead on. So yeah, I'm, and I, the Jets are a hard team for Buffalo to match up with. They proved that last year in both matchups. Mm-hmm. But, I hate saying it like this, last year's last year. I mean, you got to show up and do it. I'm, there's a lot of question marks we don't, ha- we don't know. You can say what you want about the Bills, you know, middle linebacker or whatever. I, they're, the Bills, you know, we've gone over and over and over. Bills are better almost at every position group except middle linebacker. And they still got an all-pro at the other one. The Jets lost a starting linebacker in free agency also. They lost Quan Alexander. The I mean, Jets, that's not nothing. the Jets. I don't know if they're better at their offensive line or at, at wide receiver, but they got a good group anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, they're better at quarterback, no question. But it's not. This league has never been one about just plug it in and go, just like you did last year. It's a it's a whole new group on both sides, on Bills and the the Jets. So there's a lot we don't know. I will say. I think there is some measure of an advantage that Buffalo is getting the Jets in week one because their turnover and all that has changed for the Jets, I think, is far greater than what has changed for the Bills. And so because of that, having it all lined up and operating like a well-oiled machine, I think is a heavier lift for the Jets in week one than it will be in, say, week six. That's You know what I mean? That's fair enough. That's true. Fair to That's fair to assume, but the the key change has been to a guy who's running a system he's very familiar with, and he's a veteran. True. So he's not going to get flustered by any of this, and he'll be able to 
like Pat Mahomes and Josh and Herbert and Burrow, he'll smooth over the rough spots with a quarterback, good quarterback play. So, but you're right. Uh, there, there's going to be some adjustment there for the Jets of getting everything, you know, lined up. Yeah. Let me let me fire this off at you. Is there any inherent edge for the Bills defense, knowing that? They played a version of this offensive scheme last year when they played the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Some, a lot of turnover. But, you know, it's vice versa is true, too. They know us. Yeah. The Bills are – But is it going to look the same with uh, McDermott calling it? Yeah, that's – the defense, you're right. Uh, and even the offense now uh, with some new faces, with new weapons that the Jets aren't as familiar with and James Cook and Dalton Kincaid and – Sherfield in the Bills uniform rather than Dolphin uniform. There's, you know, so there's, you can look at both sides and say, well, there's some familiarity, but, you know, and the thing, the problem with playing the Bills is you can call the perfect defense and Josh still makes you pay. I mean, Vic Fangio, when he was with Denver as their head coach. <laughs> I didn't know exactly where you were going. I mean, he calls his play, and it's like, <laughs> got him. Oh, touchdown. Sala experienced it's, that, too. It's, yes. In the San Francisco, San Francisco game Francisco in Arizona. Game. Robert Sala's looking over there like a gunfighter who's out of bullets. I mean, he's over there going, oh, oh. He's like sitting there just like a dead thousand-yard stare looking at the field going, I, I ain't got nothing. I got nothing. Yeah. Fangio's the same thing. He's over there with his, with his play sheet in his hand checking for rain he's like are you kidding me you you got the guy dead to rights and he's like what are we doing here and you know josh is scampering 19 yards untouched (laughs) through an open field and dancing in the end zone or he throws a rope in that denver game he throws a rope to some guy named kumaro (laughs) or even better and even they score a touchdown and they get a penalty and it gets called back and then he runs it in again (laughs) Uh, take, and they scored like four times. They scored. Audib- I remember that. He was audibly heard on the screen saying, how many times do we have to score? Right. <laughs> they score like three out of the next four plays. Two of them get called back, and they finally score the touchdown. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's a beatdown. Yeah. I mean, so that's the thing. You get these guys, you know, you get a guy like Rogers and stuff. Yeah, there'll be some, some rough patch and stuff, but Aaron will make a throw or he'll make an adjustment or he'll make, you know, an audible, and he'll, he'll save them. That's what Zach Wilson and that other joker that we, the Bills played against, who I can't remember his name, the other quarterback for the Mike White. Yeah, he just they'll just outplay those guys. So that's what this whole thing comes down to, I think, in this game. How big a difference? And I think for Bills fans, how big a difference will Josh have to make? You know, against a good Jet defense, right? And how much of a difference will Aaron Rodgers make for that for that offense? So, because if Josh gets to a point where his weapons are like Diggs is running wild, Davis is catching balls, uh, James Cook is going crazy, Knox and Kincaid are like this huge surprise. So all of that stuff means Josh can stand back there and just kind of deliver, and all of a sudden he doesn't have to be this you know, Superman. Superman. Yeah. And like Aaron Rodgers has always been. That's a big intriguing part about this game. Because both these guys 
I mean, you can call, like I said, you can call a perfect defense. He makes – Rodgers makes a throw or Josh just, like, yeah. goes into a phone booth and comes out wearing a cape. Let's uh, go to the phones and see what you think. We go to Scott in Williamsville to lead us off today. What do you got for us, Scott? Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. First off, um, Steve, I don't know about your prediction on Thursday night because I still remember your prediction last What'd last I Monday or What'd in I say? Chicago. What did I say? You said the, you said the Bears were going to get blown out, uh, if you recall. It was last year, but maybe – it doesn't come oh, to for mind. The but Christmas Eve game? For the Christmas Eve game? <laughs> um, you got me. I'm, I thought I'm it was pretty, yeah. New England. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. anyway. I have zero chance uh, listen, of being right. Yeah, listen, uh, I just can't believe all the bashing you guys have for the Jets. I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable. You talk about an ultimate hype train. How about the last two years and eight months? You have the Bills fans building the Lombardi trophy case here and you beat let's get it right a rookie quarterback in mac jones at home and a third string rookie quarterback barely at home you lost to zach wilson last year josh threw two of the ugliest interceptions i've ever seen and finished the year by the way 63 percent passing completion and 14 interceptions i mean this team is on a pedestal, and they've won two wild card games, and I just, I just can't understand it. I mean, I travel all over the country, and no one talks about the Bills that well. I mean, it seems like different tiers of Cincy, KC, and then it's Miami and the Jets and the Jaguars, and Baltimore's coming up, and Pittsburgh looks good, and Deshaun's going to have a full season. I just don't understand it. The Bills, God forbid, they would have lost to Cincy. I believe they probably would have played Jacksonville. And I don't even think they get past the wild card game. So, and you just can't have, um, you know, it's taboo to say, but you can't continually miss. And I mean continually on first, second, and thirds with Elam is a first and fourth. Cook, Terrell Bernard. Boogie Basham, Spencer Brown, AJF Vanessa, Zach Moss, Ed Oliver, Cody Ford, Devin Singletary. If and if half those guys were productive on the team, then yeah, the Bills have a great team. But Brandon, you know, he's missed on, on four years, and that the story hasn't been written. But these guys are producing like first, seconds, and and thirds. And I just, you know, Steve. You're old enough to know the best thing that ever happened to Bruce Smith was Cornelius Bennett coming through that door. And the best thing that ever happened to Alexander McGilney was Pat LaFontaine. I think <laughs> I think the Bills are going to find out what Tremaine Edmonds. I mean, I heard you speak last week. Tremaine, you got Tremaine Edmonds, 100-plus tackles, <clears throat> and you got Ed Oliver at two-and-a-half sacks for essentially the same money. I... I can't understand that, but and 120 million into uh, defensive end now with two busted up knees and 34 years old. Yeah, hoping he comes back for week five. But those are just my comments. I guess uh, we shall see. But the two and a half year talk is finally over, and we'll see what the season brings. Yeah, there you I, go. Fair enough, Scott. You're yeah. all over the map. Uh, I don't think it's two and a half years. It was last year. 
the hype didn't start until Von Miller acquisition happened. So I don't know what you're talking it about with two and a half years. It second game. Went in exactly mm-hmm. the same effect that the 13 second, second game had in reverse is what the Cincinnati game at the end of the last year had for the Bills this season. If It's that simple. Um, it's recency bias. The Bills weren't, weren't any better or worse had they gotten beat by a full, you know, a field goal or a, whatever in the uh, 13-second game. They weren't any better or worse if they'd won that game than they were if, losing it. They're the same guys. The, the game just happens differently. But be, because you lose in a 13-second, you're having this high – and Josh looked unstoppable. Diggs looked unstoppable. Gabe Davis had four touchdowns. All of a sudden, they're, the, they're coming on. They're the best. And I got this, too. I was talking to Brown in this eye. Are you kidding me? All the rankings, all these, listen, here's how it's going to go this year. Here's how our rankings go. The Chiefs are the best, then the Eagles, and then it's Cincinnati, Buffalo, Buffalo, Cincinnati, and all these other teams, Jackson. Oh, da, da. Well, he doesn't yeah. even have them in the top eight. So Yeah, so it's like, dude, all they're doing is looking at the last couple of games of last season and making all of their calls. And none of, do you know how hard it is? It's, it has been 20 years since anybody repeated as world champions. Yeah, but you can't have your cake and eat it, too. So if Scott's going to say the Bills aren't even the eighth-best team in the AFC, I mean, he rattled off seven teams, never mentioned the Bills, that's his opinion. You're entitled to it. But if you're going to knock the Bills for not winning enough playoff games and only winning two wild-card games the last two postseasons, you can't prop up the Jets and make them the fifth-best team in the league when they haven't even been to the playoffs in 12 years. You can't have it both ways. Yeah, that's a good point. So, come on. And I'll say this, too. If you want to make a case, make a case. And I'll say this, too. I mean, um, the – yeah, okay, we got to to break. But you're right. Um, You can't have it both ways. If you're going to pump the bills up, like they only only win one playoff game a year. Yeah, name me the number of teams who have done that over as long a period as the Bills have. And the Bills and the Chiefs are the only two teams in the league with at least 10 victories each of the last three seasons. So, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. They're a good team. Sorry. I mean, I hate to disappoint you. And I'll say this, too. You think Brandon Bean is missing on all these draft picks. Oh, my gosh. Boogie Basham and Kyrie Lim. Name them, name them, name them. I just would challenge you, go look at other teams' draft picks. Don't do it it in a vacuum. Yeah, just go look at other teams' draft picks and see how many times they've missed. Break time for us, your phone calls when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Fitness on the Field, presented by Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield, will return to Highmark Stadium on Saturday, September 9th, featuring a full day of fitness classes and a new kids zone. Just a week before the Bills' home opener, the event offers six different on-field fitness classes, plus spinning classes in the Dunn Tire Club. Classes are 45 minutes each. Pre-registration is required, and the event is expected to sell out. Visit Ticketmaster.com for more information. Let's go back to the phones quick and squeeze in Mark in West Seneca. What do you got for us, Mark? Hey, guys, uh, far be it from me to have to defend Brandon Bean's record, but uh, I will try and I could just a couple quick points. And then I had a comment about the game. Um, first of all, uh, Brandon Bean's job is more all-encompassing than just draft picks. Um, the way he runs the organization, how he brings stability, uh, how he keeps coaches coming in the door when we leave guys or we lose guys, so forth and so on. 
secondly, his draft picks, he's been living in the late first round forever, and some of those picks that he mentioned were second-round picks. Granted, they did not turn into productive guys, but let's look at records of teams who are living down there from pick 25 and on in the first round and see how many great stars have been brought out of the, uh, the college ranks down at that level. It's a lot, easy, a lot easier to pick where the Jets have been picking in the top five, to top ten, year after year to identify blue-chip talent and then possibly get it. And then last and not, not least of all, he identified Josh Allen, he decided that was the guy in the draft where there was, quote-unquote, four or five blue-chip quarterbacks, and he decided he was the guy, and then he went and got him. He didn't wait for him to fall into his lap. So just that move alone skyrocketed the Bills into the top echelon of the league and will keep us there for years. So beyond that, i sure I could go into more things, but I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, about the game, real quick. Um, if the Bills are going to win this game, I think two things have to happen. I think, first of all, I believe James Cook has to run for about 80 yards at least, or in that range. And then secondly, I believe Dalton Kincaid and Hardy have to own and take advantage of the middle of the field and own their linebackers. Because if we can do that, we can get good first, easy first downs, and Hardy can get extra yards when he leaves these guys in the dust when he breaks out of his routes. So those are my comments. All right, thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, if there is a perceived vulnerability of the Jets' defense, it is their linebackers in coverage, especially knowing they lost their best athlete in Quan Alexander, although his replacement, Jamie and Sherwood, is supposed to be a pretty good athlete. We'll have to wait and see. But, yeah, that is the challenge. Uh, and if the Bills can exploit that, yeah, I think, I think they will have a lot of success uh, on offense for sure. We are unfortunately up against the break here. So if you're hanging on at 803-0550, you're welcome to hang on. But when we come back, we're going to talk a lot more X's and O's with our new in-season guest each and every Tuesday. It's ESPN's Dan Orlovsky joining us next to talk Bills Jets here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, welcome to hour number two on a Tuesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, and excited to announce that this season, every Tuesday, we are going to be joined by a familiar NFL analyst to many. If you're on social media, you see him use everything from his index finger to a ballpoint pen <laughs> to a spoon. I've even seen at times to point out things on various plays on film that he deciphers almost better than anybody in the business. It is ESPN NFL analyst Dan Orlovsky joining us. Dan, how are you, man? You got any new things you're going to use on your film clips this year? Like maybe a poker or something, something from the fireplace? What do you got them lined up here, man? Well, first off, I'm doing great, and it's great to be with you guys, not only now, but on every Tuesday, fired up for that. I, I don't have anything new that I plan on pointing with. I will say on <laughs> Thursday, uh, there is a new 
I guess, like touch screen that we at ESPN are unveiling specifically Ooh. in the sports center studio. So I'll be using that on more than likely Tuesdays and Thursdays. It's pretty sick. So it's a whole new studio that got built as well. So yeah. uh, nothing new, at least pointer wise, because I'm tall enough. Uh, there's a little hint, but some people might be using some other stuff. Yeah. So. Right. So that and that's really it's awesome because that's really how you got started in this bit. You went online. You said, listen, because you played quarterback for a long time. You, you rubbed up against some great players. You had a lot of snaps under your own belt. And you went online and just started saying, listen, here's what they're doing. And you, you, yeah. you struck a nerve. People want to see somebody who, who knows what's going through the quarterback's mind. And you've gotten, been able to do some in-depth stuff. And, I, I, and let's just walk, talk about this opening weekend. I said a little bit ago, the potential is this. The Chiefs-Lions game could, in my opinion, could be an ugly game to start the season. But I think the best game of the weekend – is the last game Monday night, Bills-Jets. I think that is going to be an absolute heavyweight bout. What are your thoughts on this weekend and week one of the NFL's schedule? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, just speaking on Thursday night, I think it could be, you know, ugly as far as execution. The Chiefs usually aren't um, sloppy to start seasons because the way that they practice in training camp and Andy has those guys take so many preseason snaps. The, the, the most interesting part about this game for me, Steve, is this. Um, I, I think Detroit is going to line up with a top two or three offensive line and facing a defense that is without by far their best player, by far their best player, and say, stop it. Like, we, we dare you to try and figure out a way to stop this. And I think it's going to be, if you guys remember when the Raiders played the Chiefs, I think it was uh, last year the first time, and the, the Raiders ran the football down their throats with a fullback. I think we're going to see that a little bit out of Detroit. And I, if I was Detroit, I'd be preparing to see a ton of man coverage and a ton of movement on the defensive line. And the only reason why there's still a, are they really going to beat the Chiefs is because of Patrick. Um, but I think Detroit, before Chris was ever going to miss this game, I felt Detroit was going to give them hell, and I still feel that way. If their secondary, which is remade in Detroit, can play a little bit better than they did on the back end of last year, Detroit wins this game. Uh, but it, it's hard to bet against Patrick at home. I think Sunday night football is going to be massive, Giants versus Dallas. I think the Giants defense is going to, defense is going to be a problem because of their three guys up front, Dexter Lawrence, Dexter Lawrence Leonard Williams, and, and Thibodeau. Uh, in their secondary with the blitz packages. And then for Monday night, I, I, Monday night will take two of the top four or five rosters in the NFL and, and pit them against each other. And that's who the Bills and the Jets are. And it'll be interesting to see, okay, what's the, what's the Bills' defense without Vaughn? What's the offense with Kincaid? What's the Jets' defense um, with the addition of McDonald? And is the offensive line as bad as some people make it out to be? So – um, it, it's going to be awesome to watch those two teams go head to head. Yeah, your uh, your ESPN colleague Adam Schefter might have uh, put a put a different spin on the Chiefs Lions game. Apparently, Travis Kelsey hyperextended his knee in practice, and according to head coach Andy Reid, his status for Thursday is uncertain at this moment. That could Ooh. change things precipitously. Um, but jumping back to the uh, Monday night game, Dan. Um, you know, you grew up in Connecticut, close enough to the New York metropolitan area to know how New York fans react 
when they think they have a winner on their hands. So without even getting into X's and O's on this question, let's strictly talk atmosphere. Yes, the Bills have been in road games before where it's loud. They've played an arrowhead in the playoffs. MetLife Stadium has been loud when they've played there before. But with the hype that this team, the Jets, has come into the season with, Aaron Rodgers now on that roster, and Monday night atmosphere, the anniversary of 9-11. I mean, we're talking like fevered pitch that can border on intimidating for any experienced playoff-type football team. Can you just lend some context to that, you know, having grown up in the New York metropolitan area? It'll be it'll be the biggest home game for the Jets, certainly in years and maybe, you know, decades. And when you walk around town, so I live, I live about 40 minutes from New York City. And the the town and the area that I'm in, it's pretty much split between Giants and Jets. We get a sprinkle of us down Patriots fans, but most of the area is Giants or Jets. For every one question I've had about the Giants, I've had 10 about the Jets. I've I've had 10, is Aaron Rodgers going to be that good? Are are they really that good? Is Garrett Wilson as good as everyone says he is? Man, this offensive line stinks. Is the defense going to be the best defense in the NFL? And to know that, and this is why the NFL is the best, it's not like the Jets are playing on home, at home in this kind of time on the anniversary of 9-11 versus the Jaguars, not to be disrespectful, or the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're playing against a team that, for the last, what, three years has been one of the teams to beat in the conference that has one of the best quarterbacks in football, that has Super Bowl expectations, that has won the division two years in a row, I think, maybe three. So they brought in, you know, kind of one of the giants. That place will be nuts. How tough is it for a quarterback like Aaron to, I think it'll be less tough for Aaron to move from Green Bay into the same offense in a new team, new town, and certainly he's got to feel refurbished and re, 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 rejuvenated by what's going on in New York. How much of a, you know, like a settling in, or, or how long do you think it'll take him to jail? I think it may be uh, a little quicker because of Aaron yeah. Rodgers' veteran leadership, but is there going to be maybe a little bit of a, Slow start for the Jets or a little time to kind of work into it? I mean, how do you think that a new new coordinator, new quarterback, a lot of new faces? Yeah, if there's a little bit of a slow start, it's more of a credit to Buffalo in week one than a lack of continuity for the Jets. It's not only that Aaron is new there, but he also spent the great majority of the offseason there. So that that takes away some of that newness. The second thing is, This is the same offense he's run for a great majority of his career, certainly the last few years in Green Bay. That takes a little bit of the newness away. Randall Cobb is there. So not only does he have the rapport with Randall Cobb, but Randall Cobb is teaching others the expectations on plays. So is Alan Lazard. So there's a lot of these guys that have been with Aaron, that have been in this offense. They've been with Aaron in this offense. That takes away a lot of the newness that they're going to have to trouble or have trouble with. You know, I remember when Tom went down to Tampa because it is similar. And then when Matthew Stafford went out to the Rams, Tom in those first few games was running the Bruce Arians offense and there were hiccups and there were struggles. And there was a little bit of that newness that took time. Matthew Stafford went to the Rams and Sean McVay immediately took the stuff that Matthew had run and implemented to their offense. Matthew took off immediately. So I expect this offense to kind of be firing on all cylinders quicker than um, 
you know, Tom did in Tampa when he went down there in 2020. Looking at, you know, Buffalo's offense and what has changed, you already referenced Dalton Kincaid once. I know you were pulling some clips from the Steelers preseason game with the Bills when, you know, Kincaid was active in the middle of the field. And, you know, we talked about here on our show last year how sometimes the offense, even though it was productive for the Bills throughout, sometimes looked like a heavy lift. That second and yeah. long easy button answer that was Cole Beasley was no longer a part of this offense anymore. Now it seems as though they have those easy button answers for Josh in the form of Dalton Kincaid on a second and long, for example, or even a Deontay Hardy or even a Trent Sherfield who has been enormously impressive from the spring right through training camp. So knowing that and maybe a greater enhanced ability to work the middle of the field this year than maybe last year, could you see Josh becoming the high-efficiency quarterback again that we saw for the first time in 2020? The word you just used there is efficiency, okay? And, and Chris, th- there's, there's like this overall theme. It's, it's not just central to Buffalo. It's something that we saw start to rear its head in 20 very much so in 21 and absolutely last year. And we touched on this in NFL Live is these defenses and and the the philosophy behind them and coordinators have sat there and said, they're too good. Okay. The quarterbacks are too talented. The receivers are too good for us to just constantly give them opportunities to push the ball downfield. So we're going to take these really talented players and we're going to force them to play in the style that they don't want to, nor that they, they've really been challenged to. We saw that with Patrick three years ago. We saw it with Josh two years ago, right? Efficiency, boring completions. And Josh was able to do it with Cole for, for that uh, season in, excuse me, a bug, I think 2020 or 2021. I think it's hard for me to sit here and believe that there's an offense in the NFL nowadays that is a Super Bowl caliber offense if they're incapable of being efficient. Because teams are going to make them play to those styles. And last year, and what I mean by efficient is when teams are lining up in these shell defenses, whether we call them cover four or cover two or match or two man, it doesn't matter. With the elite pass rushers, if you don't have the person that will consistently get you six to eight yards of completion and in a, in a, a, a uh, kind of um, I don't have to be in the perfect play call way, I think it's hard for me to peg you as a Super Bowl offense. And I think that's what Kincaid brings to the bill. So if if that relationship and that connection is what I hope it's going to be, then this offense should be very, very, very dynamic. Well, but it has to be that way on a consistent basis because the three-point shot will not always be there. So we've, we've been talking about this all offseason. The Bills ran less 12 personnel than any team in the NFL last year. And it looks like that's probably not going to be the case this year. What does 12 personnel do to Bill's opponents defensively? Yeah, so first of all, it forces you to, as a defense, how are you going to play us in situations? Okay, so if I put my 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends on the field, and let's say it's first and 10, and you decide to stay in your base defense, meaning three linebackers, the Bills should automatically be planning on 75 to 85% of the time throwing the football in those situations. I don't care if it's a man and or zone coverage. You automatically have the advantage, whether we keep the the tight ends inside the numbers or we flip it and we force tight ends to play outside the numbers because they're talented enough and we bring receivers like Steph inside or Sherfield inside 
or Gabe Davis inside to work on linebackers. Okay. Number two, if those defenses say, you know what, we're going to play nickel, which is something Buffalo's defense does more than anybody in the NFL. We're actually going to talk about that on NFL Live today. If you're going to play with five defensive backs on the field, that means you got a little guy. Well, then it's incumbent upon our tight ends to be good enough. I'm not saying these tight ends need to be Kittle, but good enough in the run game where we could take advantage of that, where we could, you know, I, I remember watching teams like Minnesota do that to Buffalo's defense to take advantage of a little bit more of that efficient run game. And then the third thing I think is this, when you get teams to kind of play in that world of, is it base or is it nickel? You start to, in situational football, be able to empower your quarterback at the line of scrimmage. Hey, third and four, third and five, if they line up in this, let's get to this play. And it's so many different check with me's that you could give an intelligent player like Josh to not get you out of bad plays, but to get you into ideal plays. And if those two guys can become uh, super, uh, I don't want to say dominant, but effective in either the pass game and or the run game in that personnel, that means you now control to the defense how you uh, will allow them to play you. Hmm. And there are, and flipping it over to the other side, Dan, there we're seeing more of a, I don't want to call it a proliferation. That might be a little too strong, but we're seeing an increase in these three safety looks from defenses. Sure. We know that, you know, Duggar was the third safety up in New England the last couple of years. There are other teams doing it now. The oh, Bills now have Taylor Rapp, and there's a good chance we're going to see it from the Bills to some degree. And even the Jets are talking about putting Adrian Amos on the field with the other two safeties at times. So is how effective can that be as a counter to 12 personnel? I think it all depends on the, the safety and that third safety, because here's the thing. And that that's, I understand why teams are doing it because they want a little bit more of a person who is a better in coverage than a linebacker, but also a little bit more physical than maybe some of the nickels that right. play in the NFL. Um, I, I think that the, the downside is, is if you're playing in that three safety grouping, you could be play, taking a better football player off the field than that third safety. Like a, a, a perfect example is you guys that you just mentioned, Taylor Rapp, good player, but Taron Johnson's a better player, he, he, but he might not be as um, physical in the run game. He's a better cover guy. He's got more experience in, in coverage, all that. So I think what's going to happen is this is where an analytics thing will come into play. Hey, if, the, if, if you're going to line up in 12 personnel on first down and the defense is in nickel, they want to run the ball 60% of the time. If the defense is in base, they want to throw the ball 75% of the time. So if we match in, in three safeties, what does that do to that percentage? You know, is that, Hey, throughout the season, when Buffalo lines up in 12 personnel and they play against three safeties, they're throwing the ball 70% of the time. And I think that's going to be a vehicle that teams are going to start to use can they get you to be, and, and that's the counter for the defenses, to try to get you to do things that they have a, a, um, a little bit of an awareness of. Um, it's a smart counter if that third safety is a very good and dynamic player, but he may not be as good as the nickel in certain things. And I think that's the, you know, the third counter to, to all this. <laughs> like Baltimore, I just mentioned, Kyle Hamilton, their second-year player out of Notre Dame. Yeah. Well, Kyle is really good defending the run. 
So if you're playing Baltimore and you line up in your 12 personnel and Baltimore is playing in that three safety set, maybe you lean on throwing the football a little bit more than you would have, even though it's a defensive back because he's more effective against the run. So that's kind of how there's all these layers to it. Is it getting closer and closer to positionless football? where you've got five weapons on offense where you can take your split out, your X receiver, line him up in the backfield, hand it to him, and do that with all four or five of the eligible receivers. And on the, the other side, you got linebackers who predominantly now are less than 240 pounds, some of them less than 230, and they can run and cover, and then you, know, you just kind of match up with whoever, whoever, and it becomes positionless football at all away from the foot, away from the ball, all the outside guys, the defensive backs, the wide receivers, tight ends and running backs, and all the DBs, they're all positionless, where they can move around, play safety, play corner, play zone, play man, play in the run game, play not in the run game. And you're getting this this trend towards everybody being yeah. kind of the same guy. I think there's a little bit to that, Steve. I, I think the, the, the cautionary tale is like Isaiah Simmons in Arizona when he was drafted out of Clemson. He was this guy that well, he, he could play everywhere. He's a positionless player, but he's not really, at least right now in the NFL, he's he hasn't been able to show that he's necessarily good at one of those positions. So while you certainly want positional flexibility, I think that we, we have to be careful, at least in my offensive perspective, if you're push, putting a bunch of guys out there that aren't good at a certain position, I don't care where they play. I'll, I'll find them and attack them. Right. So I, I think that there is an element to that. And I think it's conference based as well. I, I think that in, in the NFC, you do have to have defensive linemen that are run stoppers and you do have to have linebackers that can plug the hole in the run game because the two best teams or the three best teams are run centric teams. And I think in the AFC, you do need guys that are a little bit more capable of playing out in space because the quarterbacks are so dynamic. You do need yeah. a little bit more pass rush defensive tackles and run stopping defensive tackles as of right now. So uh, there, there's an element to that position list. I, I think it, I, I kind of view it as a position flexibility, a, a Derwin James for the chargers more than position list because I think you can get yourself into trouble if you, you kind of live in that world defensively. Yeah, look, the problem is, yeah, you, for every Simmons kid from Carolina or for Clemson, uh, Clemson there's a Micah Parsons, you know, who can, who can do it, right? right? So, if you, right. of course, if you had five Micah Parsons, okay, I, you can play, right? So, <laughs> but, I, I, yeah, and then now, too, they're, they're asking guys at lower levels – they're asking to be like the Josh Allens and the Cam Newtons and, and the guy, the kid from uh, the USC that's coming out. And Caleb Williams. They're getting some really Caleb good Williams, athletes to play quarterback, yeah. and they're not just sticking them at tight end or running back or tight or wherever. Yes. They're, letting them, they're letting them take snaps, yeah. and, they, and they never used to do that. Yeah, and they're just saying, can you throw it a little bit? Yeah. You know, if you can throw it a little bit, you know, we, we believe that you can develop in that. or um, You know, it, it'll be interesting to see because – with all that being said, the only guy that we've watched go on in the NFL and have a really good career when it comes to that is Cam, right. I think, as of right now, to be used in that capacity. Um, you guys are obviously a part of, you know, in the last year or so, it's been the bigger conversation of does Josh need to run less? Uh, not to say that Josh hasn't had a great career and, and it's obviously becoming one, but it'll just be um, – as the money continues to go up and up and up for that position, how much as you get to the higher levels 
are teams just willing to expose those guys to hits? Because eventually, I remember sitting with McDermott last year and saying he was around Cam, and he said eventually it catches up to those guys. Yeah. So um, as much as those quarterbacks are being ran, it'll be interesting to see how much that continues to be a part of it. Last one quickly, Dan, uh, knowing that you watch oodles more tape than we do, and we kind of suffer from Bill's myopia here and focus on Bill's, Bill's, Bill's. What did you pull from – preseason Jets tape that you believe no one is talking about but should be? Because Aaron Rodgers has kind of been like a solar eclipse. He's blocked out the sun with as big a story as he has been. What about the Jets in the preseason? Should people be talking about that they're not? Yeah, and I'll, I'll keep it to, to kind of Buffalo-centric for the first – first of all, the the waves of their defensive line. And, and if you had to ask me my biggest concern in this game for Buffalo, it's the – offensive line and specifically the right side and the the waves of people that they have to be able to go and rush the passer is going to be overwhelming for a lot of teams and that's going to be the biggest challenge for Buffalo Monday night I think the second thing is is if you don't on a relatively consistent basis get in the face of or near Garrett Wilson they are going to throw him the football on these little one-step nows or these quickie one-step slants and just get the ball in his hands because he's dynamic with the ball in his hands and his catch radius is off the charts. And I think that's going to force defenses to have these conversations like, hey, do we have a guy that can consistently one-on-one do it? Do we have to play a little bit over the top? How are we going to play pre-snap Garrett Wilson at the line of scrimmage? Because if not, he's going to have 12 catches a game. And and that'll be the biggest challenge for a a Tredavious. and then I think the third thing is uh, I'm not sitting here telling everybody that this is going to be like the San Francisco 49ers offense, but the ball handling and the way that he is going to hide the football from the defense in their run or their play action game and the stuff that he does in that one and a half second frame is going to force defenses to play so much slower than they want to when he is under center. And I think that is going to, because everyone says their offensive line, I think that is going to have a profound impact on how well their offensive line is going to be able to play. Dan, thanks for the time. We look forward to talking to you next week about how this one turned out. So we'll catch up with you then. All right. Thanks for the time. Thanks guys. Enjoy it. All right. That's Dan Orlovsky, NFL analyst going to join us here all season long, every Tuesday for football X's and O's conversations. I don't know if there's a better guy we could have dice it up with. And that guy, I mean, Some he watches t- a I was ton to, of we, He does, and I know this. Our, our, we have a ton of faithful listeners. And sometimes when we get into these conversations, particularly with Dan. We get down the rabbit yeah, hole Yeah, we bit. go down a rabbit hole, and he says, well, you're talking about the, 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 the running back and the tight end. When you slip in that second, say, you know, we're, we're go, we go down to this X's and O's stuff. It's a little hard to follow on the radio. Um, not that it's any easier when you're looking at our faces, but yeah. on TV. But, yeah. That's where we're at here. I mean, that he is, he is an X and O yeah, guy. PhD level stuff. It really is. It's it's at at the very least masters level stuff, and uh, it's going to be fun to listen to because he'll be able to look at this film and tell us some specifics about you know Josh and the offensive line and all that play. That was very interesting what he said at the very end though, the way that Aaron is able to hide the ball, ball fakes coming out from center, might be the as you like to often say the elixir to giving the offensive line the extra half second they need to hold up 
by virtue of his play fake hiding the ball, forcing the defense to play slower than they want to. Right. That's, that's a hidden talent in this game that not every quarterback has. That's um, true. And, and Aaron does do that very well. I will give him full marks for that. And if it slows down your defense, that can develop into a problem, even if you don't have an yeah. offensive line that's good enough. Just, and I'll say this, it, it, it takes some courage to fake a handoff and have the ball tucked away in your stomach and acting like you don't have it, like you're nonchalanting it. Yeah. Because if they think you do have it, you're going to get treated like a tent stake at a campsite. <laughs> so it, yeah. it really does take some courage, but it, it really works. Ball handling and the smooth ability to do that really can make a difference if you're good at it. And, uh, yeah, and Aaron Rodgers obviously is good yeah. at a lot of things. Break time for us here, but back to your phone calls when we return. Stephen Orchard Park will lead us off when we come back here on One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. The Buffalo Bills London Raffle is now live. Tickets can be purchased at BillsFoundation.org for a trip for two to London from now until September 8th. This will benefit the Buffalo Bills Foundation. The travel package is provided by On Location and includes airfare, hotel, game tickets, and other amazing experiences. Visit BillsFoundation.org to purchase your chance to win. Only three more days to get in before the deadline. September 8th is the last day to get in on the London raffle, so be sure to check it out. Discussing with you today the type of game you're expecting on Monday night against the Jets. We have a poll up at One Bills Live right now. A, a convincing Bills victory. B, a tight game throughout. C, a Jets hype wave that proves too much to handle. Back to the phones we go at 803-0550, where we do have an open line for you. And to Steve in Orchard Park. Steve, thanks for holding. What do you got for us? Hey, guys, how you doing? Good. Um, just a couple things. One, I just want to reference the caller from a few calls ago. He called in and he talked about our draft pick failures and so on and so forth and, you know, why the Bills won these playoff games and who they beat, yada, yada. That, that was last year. So, And you could pick apart anybody's draft picks on any team. Just want to get that out there. As far as this game goes, um, the Jets are really hyping themselves up along with their coach. And I think one thing that nobody's talking about is the Bills have been in these big games before. Um, we opened up with the Rams last year after they won the Super Bowl. Um, we, so we're used to these high-pressure games. And the Jets are, are have a lot of good talent. They've got Rodgers and all these players. But they haven't played together yet. And the real game, I mean. So that's going to be a factor. Uh, the Bills are a seasoned team who have been there and are looking right now to get over the hump and make it to a Super Bowl. Um, I don't think the Bills are intimidated by the Jets or Aaron Rodgers or whoever. I think they have confidence in themselves. And if you notice, uh, Brownie, you haven't heard one thing out of one Bills job drive about <laughs> yeah. this game. It's true. It's you been, are 100% right on that. It has been radio silence. And that is not by accident. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Yeah, thanks for the call, Steve. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, He's I mean. He's right. I, I was talking <laughs> to Steve about this earlier in the show. 
I think there is a, a small advantage, small, that the Bills are getting the Jets right at the jump here. You know, we heard Dan Orlovsky just tell us, as he will every week, you know, Rodgers is in the same offensive system. He spent a good portion of the offseason there, you know, kind of acclimating himself to his teammates, reading body languages of his receivers. But it hasn't been at game speed for more than seven snaps. That's how many snaps Rodgers played in the preseason. Now you ramp it up to regular season speed Monday night, and I don't know that all the gears are going to be clicking, you know, into into gear, so to speak, for the Jets from front to back, soup to nuts. I think the Bills bring in an, an advantage of some measure of continuity, and as as our caller Steve mentioned, playing in these big-time, high-profile, under-the-lights games. Jets haven't had any of those. Yeah, well, Aaron Rodgers has. Aaron he's, Rodgers has. He's well-versed in it. So is Randall Cobb and some of the guys that came over with Aaron from Green Bay. But you're right. I mean, as a group and as a team, this is a different animal than the games that they've played in up to this point. Um the Bills did it. They waded into L.A. last year on opening night on that Thursday night game. And the Chiefs-Lions the Chiefs -Lions game of this year was the Bills-Rams last year. And the Bills lumped those guys up. You've said it a couple of times. Aaron has not gotten off to nice starts uh, in the last couple of yeah. years. Now, certainly they've been down years. But, you know, but prior to that, he was two-time MVP. Um, wasn't all rainbows and sunshine on opening night for Aaron. But – and this is also, you made a good point, I, I think this Jet offense is going to look a little, at least a little bit like the Green Bay offense that Aaron has run for 16 years. And with Nate Hackett helping him win two MVPs back-to-back, -back, I think it's going to look a lot like that did, uh, at least the concepts and the way they do things. So I, I think there's a, a, a lot of knowledge you can gain from studying what happened in Green Bay with Nate Hackett and Aaron Rodgers and how this offense works and what you already know about it and the game you played against them last year, I think you can use a lot of that to help you get ready for and prepare for this game. Um, now, certainly you can make the same kind of anal analysis for saying, hey, the Bills are going to be, you know, they're going to come in and they're going to be the same team. They got still have Josh, still have – well, things have changed here a little bit in Buffalo. Their offensive line has been upgraded and they've got some different kinds of weapons, different kinds of weapons – uh, than they've had in the past, and they're going to use them differently. So there's some things that maybe are different for Buffalo. Um, so that doesn't mean it's going to go well or they're going to surprise them, but, you know, there's some question marks there Yeah, on both sides. In week one, 2021, Aaron Rodgers led Packers lose 38-3 to the Saints. Rodgers is 15 of 28 for 133, a sack and two picks, and a passer rating of 36.8. He was taken out of the game. And Jordan Love was put in to get some experience. That was two years ago in the opener. Last year in the opener, they lose to the Minnesota Vikings 23-7. Aaron Rodgers, 22-34 for 195, sacked four times and a pick. Passer rating is 67.6. He was also taken out of that game, and Jordan Love came in. So the last two season openers... For Aaron Rodgers, albeit with a different team, in a different city, against a different team, not so hot. 
coming out of the gate in week one. Now, as Steve pointed out, he's probably rejuvenated being in a new place. Clearly from that soliloquy he uttered last week, he feels liberated from Green Bay. But, yeah, he's he's got to show that he can perform in a season opener again and do it against the top five defense from last year. So, yeah, we'll it'll, see. It'll be It's going to be different. Uh, like it with any new season, there's more that we don't know than there is that we do. And all of these teams, particularly the Jets and, of course, the Bills as well, they feel like they've changed enough and made efforts to improve. These are two teams that, man, they got, they got high expectations inside their own buildings, no question about it. And, of course, the fans' expectations are what they always are at different times. But there's still more that we don't know than what we do, and that's why, man, we can. I can't wait to see these two teams play. Yeah, it's going to be a great game. That listen, Bills fans are are knowledgeable enough to know the Jets are no push. They are not the Jets. These are not your dad's Jets. Yeah, um, this is a good team, and they have drafted outstandingly in the last couple of years. Maybe for the first time in three decades. I mean, they have, well year over year. Yes, they are more than one they year have in a row. Really hit on this draft. Yeah, and um, and it shows. What type of game are you expecting Monday night against the Jets? Let's go to the tweet sheet presented by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving system of the Buffalo Bills. Connor says, I think it'll be a tight game for about three quarters, but a late game turnover will seal it for Buffalo. My prediction is 34-28 Bills. Allen goes for 300-plus and three TDs. Jack says, it will be a hard-fought battle for three quarters, and I could see several field goals. However, I expect Allen to put it on his back in the fourth, find a lot of his new targets, and lead the pullaway in New Jersey, putting it out of reach for gangrene late. That's two guys that see the game unfolding the same way, pulling away late, yeah, late, late in the, the game. game. Interesting. Interesting. Steve says, with the national media trying to find a way to pull the Bills apart all offseason, I believe the Bills go into this game with a chip on their shoulder and take care of business to prove a point. I think the game looks a lot like last year's Rams opening day game. Wow. That was 31-10. I don't know if I'm expecting that. <laughs> I'd be happy if it does. Uh, yeah, I, I, this defense is going to be better than the Rams defense last yeah. year. So I, that'll be hard, to, even with Aaron Donald notwithstanding. So, And I think, too, da uh, Dan Orlovsky just told us in the last segment the Jets' defensive line is the real deal. Is the real deal. All of them. They got a whole bunch of guys you that got, they rolled through. You got two first round picks at defensive end on the bench coming off in Jermaine Johnson and right. Will McDonald. Right. Those guys don't even start. Yeah. Speaking of st first round picks that don't start. Right. Um, we got to take a break here, but some final thoughts on the tweet sheet when we come back here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Ticketmaster is the presenting sponsor of the Buffalo Bills 2023 season. Ticketmaster, the official ticket marketplace of the NFL. Back to the tweet sheet quickly from Edward. I still have very little confidence in the Bills' front five. This game's probably going to be about who has the best offensive line because the Jets' O-line is very similar to the Bills and looks like Swiss cheese. Whichever quarterback survives the game wins. The Jets' offensive it's a line pointed. is not similar to the Buffalo Bills' At all. Okay. The Bills are better, particularly from guard to guard and in the left tackle to guard. You can say what you want about Spencer Brown, but the 
but the Jets have all kinds of question marks up there, and the and the Bills' offensive line uh, doesn't deserve some of the criticism it's gotten. Um, I'm I'm telling you, there's the Bills' offensive line is significantly better than the Jet offensive line, in my opinion. From Sabres Bills ninety two, a tight game throughout. The Jets' D line is scary. That, that is. is true, and, I, and as good as the Bills line might might or not might not be, Jets D line is good. So this is going to be a, this. They got the Jets have strengths, Bills have strengths, and how those strengths and weaknesses mesh is going to be the tale of this game. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you something: that Jet defensive line, particularly those guys down inside, I hope they can catch Josh Allen because they're going to be chasing him. Yeah, they ain't going to catch him. They can't. They can't outrun him. Will McDonald is a pretty impressive athlete. He's their rookie first-round pick from this past draft. Iowa State, Bills liked him a lot. Supreme athlete. Everybody likes him. Only goes about 250, long and lanky, and he can run. From Brian, I, would say, I wouldn't say it's going to be a crazy blowout, but I expect a pretty convincing Bills win. Rodgers will need a few games to get in a rhythm with the Jets, and the Bills should have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Yeah, they should. I'm all for the chip. Yeah, I'm all for the chip, Getting, too. Give me the chip. Yeah. Give me the chip on the shoulder. Yeah. I mean, they've been they've – been, you know, dragged down and disrespected all off season. Does it does it we'll make be, a difference yeah. in their performance we'll on be, Monday night? We'll be one game away from opening day tomorrow. Let's go. We'll see you tomorrow at one for more scintillating Bills discussion. We'll see you then.